SAFM Literature it is here on SAFM. Well, next up, Once Upon a Time, I suppose is really how we should be starting this one. <laughs> because here in the studio in Cape Town, we have a couple of storytellers there. Ashley Ramsden, hi Ashley. Hi. And Sue Hollingsworth, all mm-hmm. from the UK. And uh, also from the International School of Storytelling, which I'm reliably told started way back in 1994, which is a very auspicious date for us here in South Africa, mm-hmm. which also means that it's turning 20 years old mm. next year. Hey. Yeah. Well, Ashley and Sue are here giving storytelling workshops. In fact, uh, right now the ones they've been giving are, calling, is called, are called Telling True Life Tales. But the interesting thing is that they're going to be coming back again in January to give a five-week course called The Storyteller in the Community. Well, if that's piqued your interest, it certainly piqued mine. Um, do stay listening because I'm going to give you all the details that you might need to know on that in just a minute. Well, the reason they're going to be giving a course on the storyteller in the community is because they say that it's the art of storytelling that keeps a community healthy. And do we not ever need healthy communities? But I guess we all need to share stories too because they're so nice. And uh, lovely to have you, as I say, with us in the studio. And also interesting to see that you've written a book called The Storyteller's Way, a uh, source book of in, for inspired storytelling, which looks very jolly with a big fat sun on it. But I believe that you've nearly <laughs> sold out all the copies that you've got with you now. Yes, anyway, our suitcase in, had enough, loads. Enough from me. Let's hear about you two guys. Ashley, let's start with you. Um, the International School of Storytelling, or School of Storytelling dot com, began in 1994. Because why? Well, I. I started originally telling stories in Australia and uh, then I came eventually back to the UK and my travels took me through America as well and I realized there was really no place that people could go and learn the art of storytelling and that in many places it was actually dying out being our first form of communication the place and the the form that all communities would gather around and share before we had books and TVs and all the modern gizmos that we've got. And radio. And radio. <laughs> uh, I realised that there needed to be a place where we could we could actually share these kind of skills and these kind of heart matters that we could get to know one another better. As one of my one of my favourite poets, um, Hafiz, a Sufi poet, says. Most speaking really says, I'm hungry to know you. And I think that in the stories we tell, we get closer to each other. I'm hungry to know you. Isn't that nice? Yes, actually, I saw that on your website, too. So it's it's a good phrase. Mm. So what about you? How did you get involved with storytelling? Oh, my goodness. That's quite a long story, Nancy. But the short version is that (laughs) I I came to the very first... uh, uh, course as the School of Storytelling began in 1994 because I was very burnt out and disillusioned by the business world in fact so I just resigned from a very senior role in an American software corporation in, in the June and uh, within two or three weeks I found a, this storytelling brochure at a storytelling festival which said there was a school of storytelling I'd never heard of such a thing and I phoned up the next day, got the last place, turned up there that September, and I've never left. Oh, gosh, what, what a story. <laughs> um, yes, interesting, actually, that you say, you know, before books and television and radio and all those sort of things, where we get, us, we get stories on, a, you know, coming at us all the time. So why storytelling? Why is the art of storytelling still important? I think it 
it's the way we're made as human beings. And there's been a lot of research done, actually, which says that the, the patterning in our brains are actually wired in, if you like, to story. And that's how we make sense of existence. Mm. And it's really a good question. What came first, the story or the brain or the wiring? And so whenever we wish to explain something, whenever we wish to unburden ourselves, whenever we've gone through an experience, if we can't put it in a story form, we can't actually move on very often. So it, it's the vehicle, if you like. It's the, it's the form by which we actually um, order existence. And uh, that's quite a lot of the work that we do, actually helping people and making sense of their lives, making sense of something that they're still carrying in the work that we're doing just now. Mm. For instance, the telling true life tales. Sometimes there's something that's, that's been with someone for a long time, puzzling them. And if you can put it into a form and you can tell it, then suddenly you gain a perspective and a freedom from the thing that uh, has just been rattling around inside. And that's profoundly helpful to you but it can also be something for the entire community because again and again we find even in the smallest insignificant things that there are universal principles at work there are archetypes in there that actually touch us all Telling your own true life story, I suppose the art of telling a story, some people, for some people, it's a, it's a natural thing. For other people, they maybe need some help to make sense of it. But, uh, you know, it's, you can either deliver a whole collection of facts or you can make it into a story. And as you say, the brain is wired to receive a story. It makes it sort of accessible. It's like sort of, it, you know, just producing it in a, in a way that people can say, oh, that's really interesting and captivating. But true life tales is one sort of story. There are many different types of stories, Sue. Do they, do they fall into different categories? Yeah, I guess. And when you think of a storyteller, you think of the old-fashioned story. So where does that fit in? Well, I think probably what, what you're referring to, the old-fashioned type of storyteller, might be the kind of storyteller that for many thousands of years has, of course, been really at home right where we are, um, sitting around the fire, telling the stories of perhaps how the people came into existence, about the gods and goddesses, the mythology of the people, the heroes of the people in the past. So I guess probably we would call those stories traditional stories, ones that have a lot to tell us and that have been passed down from mouth to mouth over the generations but as you were just talking about there's modern day true life stories um, that we can tell but also we can create a story in the moment you know there's, there's the possibility of a group of people or an individual creating a story that's never been told before and of course um, anyone who's listening who's a parent has probably done that with their child at bedtime now tell me one that you make up you know and children love that mm. but that also can happen for adults too and the last kind would be uh, a literary story. So one that's been written and authored by a particular person, but then is adapted for oral storytelling. Mm. Which would be very different from the written version. Mm. Just going back to the traditional ones, which is the sort of ones that we all know. And I, I came along to one of your evenings and heard a collection of people telling stories that were sort of old, ancient stories, but, but they could have been right now, modern mm. times, but they're sort of stories where you kind of know what's going to happen in the end, but you've got to get there in the right way. There's no quick, quick way there. You've, you've mm -hmm. got to hear the whole story. Mm -hmm. And I suppose those sort of traditional stories always come with a bit of a message, don't they? So in traditional times, it would have been 
a way of passing on uh, your culture, your your morals, your ethics, as we might have done here in Africa, certainly. Mm. Certainly, I see those old stories have a lot of wisdom in them, mm. and uh, I think that's what ultimately people were trying to pass on. And I think that's often how the best wisdom is still carried today. Um, within a story and I think the very fact that they're still with us these old stories mean that each time they've been told someone who listened to them thought oh yes ah and has passed it on again because it's been useful to them I think the ones that don't have anything to say to us about what it means to be human these days they've probably dropped away along the along the way and they they're not carried forward anymore Yes, um, the the, the moral. You know, very often you hear, and the moral of the story is, but <laughs> you almost don't need to say it because you get it right at the end. Mm. Let's even move aside from the traditional stories back to the the real life story. And Asti, you were talking about encouraging people or helping people to tell their own story. Is it very difficult to help someone? Do first they have to first they have to get the story in their own head so that they can tell it. And, and what do they do, write it down? Or how do you help somebody tell their own story? Well, we've been working just recently with eliciting stories, actually. And very often we come across uh, the uh, kind of, you know, someone turns up in a workshop and says, why would anyone be interested in my life? Mm. You know, it's, it's so boring. In fact, actually, I'm one of those. And that's why I work with Sue. <laughs> I haven't got anything to tell Sue, surely. No one's interested in me. And um, you know, then Sue goes to work. And what do you do, Sue? What sort of things do you do? Well, very often, uh, if you ask people particular questions and you just get the memory working first, that's the first thing. Because people often think they've not got a story to tell, like Ashley was saying, um, because actually they can't remember anything. I mean, in fact, if we were to say now, um, tell me an interesting story about your life, probably all three of us here would go completely blank because, you know, it's a horrible <laughs> moment, isn't it? But if someone says to you, well, tell me about a time when you celebrated your birthday that you really remember, then something will come back and someone will say, oh, yes. You know, I remember that time when, when my mother, which happened to me, allowed me to invite all the children in my class. And I, there were 42 of them. And we lived in a very little house and my mum had them all sitting up the stairs, you know, and on every available surface. So then a memory starts coming back and you start to feel more relaxed and you start to feel more confident. Oh, I have got something to tell. And then when you start speaking that out and other people hear it, you can see then in people's faces that their eyes brighten and you can see that they're listening. And then perhaps they start to engage with you and they start to laugh. And it builds confidence because you hear your story received and you can see that people like it and understand it. And that's really then the next step to starting to, I would say, mine the jewels of your life, the gold of your mm. life, to start to look at what has really been important to you and what you would like to carry forward to the next generation. Sort of legacy, in a way. Mm. So I suppose if you have a bit of respect for your own story, then other people, or if you can tell it in such a way that's engaging, then other people are going to be engaged by it, even if it's a very, very simple story. Yeah. But, you know, in a way, I mean, thinking about those people who were telling their stories the other night, in a way they became actors. You know, they had to present it in such a way that the, their eyes were bright and their, and their hands were moving, and you were sort of captivated by their body language as well as the story that they were telling. It's quite important, is that, Ashley? I mean, it's no good standing up there in a sort of monotone, <laughs> delivering this fabulous memory, and everybody's fallen asleep. It's there are skills that 
uh, we can borrow, and we do borrow sometimes from the sort of actor's department, if you like. There are things that have to do with basic presentation skills that do help you to be heard. But storytelling is more than anything about being yourself, which perhaps is the hardest thing of all. Mm. <laughs> and so very often what we do is we, we, we work in such a way that allows people to feel comfortable in themselves, to respect themselves, to breathe <laughs> quite calmly in the presence of others, and to just allow... Uh, others to experience, you know, what is happening in their lives in a, in a shared kind of way, um, and uh, this is this is for me something that underpins all of the work. Uh, how can we help each other be ourselves, be more comfortable in the bodies that we're in and the lives that we've had, and through the sharing stories, this this begins to take care of itself. Mm-hmm. Actually, the my favourite stories are those who do the least. Uh, in the end, you don't have to jump around so much. Although I love, because I was an actor mm-hmm. once, I love embodying characters and doing accents and all that sort of stuff. Um, but the person who just simply is there and tells the story, as Sue says, like a kind of, like a jewel, like a piece of gold who's who's honed it. I think we know when that's in the room. We know when that's happening. Mm-hmm. So they sort of a bit like a bit like radio. So we keep coming back to it, but they call it the theatre of the mind. I suppose if you can if you can conjure images, you don't need to be leaping around like a that's right. You know whatever. You you can just create the story in a shared kind of way. I think that's really important because increasingly we are communicating on Facebook, on Twitter, on email, and telling all, all sorts of very personal things, you know, that all these sort of social media, all this, uh, these new communication tools are very good because people are telling all sorts of things. But in some ways we're losing the, the possibility to speak our truth <laughs> and to speak what we say face-to-face mm. and share. Mm. It, do you find, Sue, that that's one of the things that, that stops us? Yes, I think it does. And I think that's a big part of our work. And the way that we work is to understand that every time a story is told, it's probably different because you're sensing who you're speaking to, who you're in the presence of, and you're watching their faces and seeing how they're reacting. And if they're looking really interested, if they're right on the edge of their seats, then you might say a little more in that area, give them a little bit more of what they want. But on the other hand, if you can see that dreaded moment for a storyteller when the eyes start to glaze over, then probably you think to yourself, well, I think that's enough of that. (laughs) I think I'll move on there. But I think what you're bringing there, Nancy, about um, modern technology and what that's doing to us is very important. Um, Part of our our work, we, we have all kinds of ways that we work with storytelling and stories, but part of our work is obviously with children. And there, especially in Europe, and, and I don't know, that's probably happening a lot here too, you can see that the uh, the imagination is deadened and dulled by the use of electronic media, and you can see that um, there there is a serious issue. And in fact, in the car on the way here, Ashley and I were talking about a, a little story which we we both very fond of, which illustrate well talks about this, and it's a story that takes place in in India. And there's a traveller who went to an Indian village, and um, he arrived, and there's a storyteller. 
um, underneath one of those big spreading trees and all the children and adults of the village are all gathered around listening to him and the, the traveller stops and listens too and just at that moment a great big truck rattles up and everyone jumps up and is very excited and they unload a television set and the traveller thinks oh no everything of this old traditional way of life is going to be lost and the television gets unloaded and taken into one of the huts and everything gets sorted out and soon that blue flickering image is there and everyone is in the hut and the storyteller is left alone and he thinks oh that's the end of a way of life but he happens to be passing through that village a few months later and to his surprise when he arrives he sees the storyteller underneath the tree just as he was before and everyone in the village gathered around and he says to one woman what happened you know the television must know so many more stories than your storyteller knows and the woman looked at him and said that's right that's very true but the difference is our storyteller knows us oh i thought you were going to say power cut <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's such a good story yeah. and, and as you as you, you, you there you go that's the art of the storyteller i could mm. see the tree i could see the people i could hear the woman mm. lovely absolutely lovely and i suppose that it's how you tell it and with the confidence with which you tell such a story And I just want to come back to what you're going to be doing in January. Uh, You're going to be giving a five-week course on um, the storyteller in the community, the storyteller in the community, which kind of identifies an individual. Is it actually important to have a storyteller in the community? If you've got a storyteller, marvellous. If you've got more, even better. Mm. <laughs> uh, but certainly someone who you feel can you can come to and uh, share your stories with and who will have that kind of holding. And, of course, this was the way it was in the past as a piece of African wisdom that uh, we work with very much in the training that we do that says if anyone was sick in a community the first question you'd ask was when was the first when was the last time you sang danced or told a story and it's quite likely that if one of those things hasn't happened there'll be something that's wrong in the community there'll be you know not enough joy that's being Mm -hmm. celebrated there'll be things that are held that need washing through in those kind of ways so we work with song we work with dance we work with story together and we help people really put story to work in their different communities uh, as much as possible yes working through i suppose is the key isn't it because uh, people may have quite sort of onerous stories that they, they, you know, they are burdened with and if they can share it story shared is a story halved that that's going to help everybody and it may help somebody else in the community exactly you never know Mm. who's listening and with what ears how it's falling and once we share a story then that language is there to draw upon in each community we can use it as a reference point as a kind of a medium through which we can safely meet because very often it's hard to address things directly but put it in a story form Mm -hmm. then we've got that language that we can actually you know so what do you envision, I mean, aside from having a, a tree with a storyteller underneath it in, in every community, and I mean every community, not community in the sense that sometimes used in this country, but every community, do you see that people would get together to go to storytelling evenings and share their own stories? 
Well, I think there's a million ways to work with story in community, Nancy, because as you just said, there's all different kinds of communities. People who come to this kind of course are representing communities, maybe their work community, or maybe their church community, or their neighbourhood community, um, but there are so many communities out there. And um, they can work with story in many, many different ways, and during the course we offer them many different ways that they can actually work with stories in the different communities that they're in, um, you know, whether they're working with adults, whether they're working with children or whatever kind of community interests they've got. That's one of the things we try to do is to stimulate their creativity so that, yes, it could be that people are invited to a special storytelling event in their community, but there are also other ways of, of going about it, and we certainly look at some of those too. And I, I suppose it's a good way of teaching too, isn't it? I mean, uh, some libraries and communities where they're lucky enough to have libraries, very often they have sort of storytelling te- sessions and the kids absolutely love it um, because it's a good way of, of sharing wisdom without being sort of heavy. I mean, you, very often you get speakers, you know, sort of public speakers or, or what do they call them, sort of motivational speakers who will then share a little story and everybody will remember the story. They won't remember anything else that he or right. she has said. Mm-hmm. It's the story. And I go back to your sort of... the wired brain that we have so that we can pick up stories so the sort of people that you would be interested to come to the um the storyteller in the community workshops would be people who are natural storytellers i mean are you preaching to the choir not at all it's really uh, people working in all kinds of areas i mean it can be social workers it could be um, parents it can be business people who yes. have we had ceos maybe teachers, teachers we've had nuns we've had firemen um <laughs> we've had everybody in any walk of life anyone who's inspired by an idea of working with story in their community so we, we work also with people uh, you know from the townships who want oh. to start drama projects even with storytelling yeah. all kinds of things that it's so interesting to just to hear them all tell the story of the job that they do each yeah, and every day imagine so. the fireman telling his story wonderful love it <laughs> well I, we sadly we're out of time so i think let me give the the details now the workshops are happening in uh, january i think you're back in january towards mm-hmm. the end of january and if anybody would like to know more should they uh, go to your website Yes, go to the website. Which is www.schoolofstorytelling.com. Schoolofstorytelling.com. Right. 